When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your second free show of the week um, here from Heart and Hand Towers. I am Cameron Bell and I'll be your host for this week's show. And uh, joining me, um, a smorgasbord of talent, I have to say, from the, the Heart and Hand community. First of all, the ever wonderful Mr Kevin Armstrong. Good evening, how are you? All good, my friend, all good. And also making up uh, the numbers tonight as well is Mr Martin Ramsey. Martin, how are you this evening? Very well, my friend. The sun is shining. The Teds are top of the league. What, what more do you want? Well, I don't know, but I'm fairly sure that you'll tell us. Um, yeah. That's why I thought it'd be good to have you on to bring us back to earth with some of your um, oversalted realism, which yeah, I think everybody's so enjoys. disappointed today. I'm in a, I'm <laughs> a good mood. Good, I'm glad. Well, that's great. That means it's going to be a nice positive pod today. Well, we are talking... Um, obviously about uh, last night's 3-0 win over St. Johnson um, at a mosaic-filled Ibrox Stadium. Um, Kev, we'll obviously come on to the game in kind of a bit of detail and a wee bit as well and stuff as well. But in the build-up to this, I thought, um, you know, this is going to be another another game when I think that we're going to have a little bit of a grind. But if we, we stay true to course, we should be able to, to not make it overly difficult for ourselves and whilst I think that we'll come on to the fact that it wasn't the most, uh, you know, edge-of-your-seat performances, the result, you know, was pretty much what everybody wanted. It was. We went in somehow 2-0 up at half-time, despite St Johnston probably having the, the better of early chances. They could probably consider themselves quite unfortunate because we never really hit top gear and we took the lead through a, a wonderful bit of skill and then a wonderful goal that we've seen somewhere before. So from that point of view, yes, we'll take 2-0 at half-time at home any day of the week. But performance-wise, it wasn't great. Well, that's maybe unfair, because the, the back done their job quite well. The centre of the midfield done OK, but then the further forward, we just seemed to sort of get lost a wee bit. But at the end of the day, it's 2-0. We're not going to play brilliantly every week. But if we don't play well and we win games 3-0, we'll take it every single week from now until May. Martin Kev made the point there that St. Johnson maybe opened up slightly better of the two teams um, where there was an early scare with uh, Henry through and goal with, uh, with Turn and Balligan uh, left and right, where, which ultimately didn't come to much. 
Um, but it was a, a, an early reminder, had we needed one, that this isn't going to be an easy game. It wasn't going to be um, fairly straightforward. St. Johnson, you know, are well coached uh, by Cam Davidson. And they were going to get into a spot where they were going to try and see if they could bring us forward and try and get us a little bit out of shape to be able to try and open that up. Um, and it took a set piece to be able to try and break the deadlock, a wonderful free kick from Borna Barisic to get up and over the wall from about 25 yards out. Um, we will talk about set pieces kind of throughout the course of the the, the, the the show today, but I think what was interesting with that was that, that Borna still got a bit of confidence within that because I would have expected maybe Tav to try and play an across towards the back post, but Borna wanted to take it and, and you have to say a magnificent free kick. There was a there was a discussion on Sunday, wasn't there, about a, a free kick and Bonner kind of get shifted out the way by by Young Haji and uh, it was one of those where there was no doubt about what was going to happen very early. He had he had the ball, he was always visualising what he was going to do. So um, no, we we know he's got that in his his locker. Rangers have you know we, we have set piece threats and it doesn't always come off. And I don't know a team that that does manage to just pull those kind of things off all the time. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I had a good feeling. It just looked a nice range. Um, you could get up and over, or he could. I couldn't. Um, <laughs> you certainly couldn't. Um, and it was, yeah, just, you know, you see, you see a free kick, you just sometimes fancy you're, you're standing over the ball sometimes. And, uh, yeah, he, I think you're still a bit missed from being shifted and... Uh, uh, out the way on on Sunday, so um, yeah, and, and we needed it. Uh, the, the only wee bit of of spark, I think, was the the, the bit of play that, that that created that free kick when we we did actually start to move a wee bit of pace. Uh, and and yeah, we we, we made it count. Not so sure St Johnson were unlucky. Henry had a chance and he he didn't do particularly well after doing a lot of good work to to get himself in that that bit of space. Uh, McLaughlin did very well, but. Um, they were they know their game and you know they, they were very attuned to that we yeah we, we still take a bit of time to get into a stride don't we and i think that's going to be the theme of the season if we can crack that uh we'll, we'll, we'll be in the race well um Bonn has uh, been attracting some attention kev from uh, from down south leeds rumoring to be offering something in the region of about eight million pound or so and um, he uh, he justified probably some of that attention and speculation by setting up the the, the second goal, um, very very similar to to the goal that he set up at, at Parkhead, with um, I think a, just a lovely delicious cutback that probably went about 25 yards on its own, um, pinpoint to to Ryan Kent in the box. Kent I thought at that point had looked lively. I think you know he was trying to come up with some ideas. Martin alluded there that you know he'd come into a couple of tackles as well which uh, I think, you know, was St. Johnson's answer to being able to try and curtail him. But um, he hits the connection on it exactly the same as, as, as Parkhead, sweet as a nut, straight past the keeper. Um, we're 2-0 up going into the break. And I think that, you know, obviously we are playing in front of an empty stadium. Um, but I think that that would have settled down the, the, the home crowd had we been there because that second goal is, is, is pivotal to us at the moment. Isn't it something that we're very good at? Where when we pass the ball quickly, we get players moving. We're very good at football. Uh, like you said, we've seen this goal before. It was very similar to the one at Parkhead, and I think was it the week before it was maybe Easter Road. I'm thinking that there was a chance very similar to that as well. 
that maybe whistled past the post last season. Like you see, the cutback's perfection, all the weight's on the ball, it's on the pass. So Kent just has to direct it. And for some reason, I don't even know what foot Kent's better with. He seems to score the last couple of weeks with his left. I always thought he was right-footed, and he might well be, but he's definitely got a wonderful shot with his left foot. And like you said, if, if there was a crowd there, they would have probably been getting a bit antsy. Um, we weren't playing particularly well, but that goal would have just settled us down, settled the crowd down, and we could have enjoyed half-time because we were we were in control of the match. There, there was no chance of St. Johnson running away from it. They, like you said, they tried to even it up with some sort of roughhouse tactics, uh, which included a, a co-carry ride for um, Young Hadji, which apparently is now new, the, the rules where you can do that, which must be one of these new FIFA rules because I've never seen anybody else get away with it. Um, but you've got to expect that from these teams. They're, they're not here to make life easy for us. They're not here to let us play football and take five and six off them. Sometimes that's all they've got. But St. Johnson done what they set out to do. And unfortunately for them, they were 2 all down at half-time. Martin, you mentioned, um, obviously, we do have some uh, some set-piece um, talent within the within the team. Um, we come back out into the second half, a few minutes into the, uh, the the second stage of the game, and a corner comes in from Tab, met by Joe Rebo, who I think has is, is, is put a little bit of kind of gain and muscle on um, in terms mm-hmm. of, of, you know, across the... The COVID break, as I suppose we can call it now, um, gets in there by the front post and then nods past Parish. And I mean, the game, I think, you know, at that point was was looking pretty comfortable anyway. But this, I think, you know, killed it dead. Um, a great corner coming in. Aribo makes the run to the near post. Uh, looks simple, fairly straightforward, but he still has to create the space. He still has to beat his marker to the run and just get the connection. Um, amazing what you can do when it's, these set pieces work for you. No, I know. Um, I don't know how many people had the instant reaction, that's a great corner. Um, I think if we were in the ground, there, there might have been a few, for fuck's sake, Tavs, because it was low, <laughs> and it didn't look like it was going to be great. And then all of a sudden, the rebo kind of comes from nowhere, he, he, uh, and he, the game's done. Um, so clearly premeditated. I think we try that quite a fair bit. It's, it's a hard one to come off, isn't it? You know, the, the low corners are the kind of bane of the... Uh, the Daz really um, but when it works it, it, it all looks so simple if you lost a goal like that can you imagine Ian Hogg in that group <laughs> chat because that is dreadful dreadful defending but just quick thinking by Rebo um, I think I said it in one of the other shows it's so much uh, what's he riding on, on him or, 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 or on his shoulders but um, I think we're I'm excited anyway to, to see what, what he can do in season two, basically, one season he's now settled in. You've mentioned the bulk, which is important and playing where we want him to play, with a, a lie to the, the, the close control and skill that he has. Um, then it's, it's a big a big factor in, in us um, winning these type of games. Now, Rangers doing that in August, no big drama. Rangers beating St. Johnson in February once. You know, that calendar's turned and the pressure's different, and it is. We've seen how we have fallen to bits the last two seasons. Um, you're, you're needing those players to trust those skills and um, and kind of deliver. And just a quick word about the second goal, as beautiful as Borna's free kick was, that's what we need to see more of um, in these kind of games. Um, 
the pace. That pace came from seemingly, again, nowhere because we were getting quite flat and a wee bit sluggish. And suddenly there was a, a, a change. I think it came from Hadji uh, a wee bit deeper, if I'm um, if I'm it right. did, yeah. Remember. Came via a rebound into Hadji, then Hadji. And, and that's fine. But if you can spring um, the fullbacks quickly, then those kind of things happen. When we're ponderous about it, and you're, you're, you're asking Borna to have to get in those those wide corners, or if Hadji and, and Kent get dragged out there, but the opposition, these kind of oppositions, um, not really the kind of counter-attack at Parkhead that we're talking about, but these, these kind of oppositions at Ibrox, they have the ability to flood the centre. So it's... <laughs> It's kind of wasted. We know what happens. We know the frustration that builds when when those crosses just get headed away. This season, in terms of the points that we've we've dropped stupidly in the last couple that we obviously can't afford to do now, it's dependent on those players thinking quickly and acting quickly and having the bravery to pass through this melee, um, to pass through these um, lines. Um, Scottish defenders will head crosses away all day long. They're not quick thinkers. That's why, as a national game, we're, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but not all that great. Um, so that's what's required. We know that. Um, we know that that pace, um, tempo of a game, probably needs to, to start a wee, a wee bit further back, and this Jack Amara thing um, probably does need to be addressed. But we have a good, you know, after that Pitodri start, um, a, a nice run of fixtures, really, until we go Easter Road at the end of September. Kamalak at home. Always slightly awkward, but um, it's it's fairly decent to try and get that freshness because there's still players not quite at it as you might expect for this time of the season, especially given the circumstances in which the season restarted. So, yeah, uh, and it's fine if we can just tick over at the moment whilst try to solve those problems that will need to be solved longer term into the season. But um, yeah, game done early on. Happy days. Manager can treat it like friendly and bring on all these substitutions. Well, that's what I want to stay with you with, because, Kevin, I would like to come back to you regarding, obviously, comments for the referee, because I, I, I think we have to talk about that, and, and, and I think that, you know, you made an excellent point there. But, Barton, I'll stick with you just now um, to talk about said substitutions, um, because on the, the 60 minutes mark, we make our second uh, tranche of substitutions. Liam Balligan had went off for uh, Felton Holland just at the break. Uh, reported, well, we, we haven't got reports yet as to the severity of that injury, but you know the likelihood being um, that he's going to have to make a decision about what we'll uh, what we'll do against Livingston, but we'll come on to that in a minute. Right. Uh, but Martin, he he makes a, a, a you know as we obviously we now can um, you know a four man substitution a debut for Kamar Roof to come on, uh, Cedric Hitton comes on, Stephen Davis comes on, so does Scott Arfield in place of Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Jack, and Joe Rebo. So I'm interested to get your take on this because in the post match comments. The manager made mention of, you know, it feels like as if he's now been labelled with making too many substitutions in one go. Obviously, the rule now is you can make five subs, but in three instances, uh, he referred to the fact that last season he was he was being uh, accused of not making subs. Now he's been accused of making too many, so it's kind of all over the place. But Kevin is one of the guys in the post match last night. I'd kind of mentioned with uh, with Hoggy and David Marshall. Um, there has to be something here, Martin. We've been able to try and change a significant percentage of the team, that you know, the the, the guys on the park, um, is going to impact the tempo. It is going to impact what happens. You've now got nearly, you know, half of the team having to get up to the pace of the game, um, and a lot of that's, I mean, it's difficult to do for one player to come into. It. It's a very, very good substitute who can come on and straight get into the, the tempo of the game. Doing that, 
with three guys who have obviously played for us already. Ruth coming on to make his 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 debut, but I'm still pretty sure he's not 100% match fit yet, which we saw last night. Difficult to be able to try and maintain that, but you're right, the manager just used it as it's now basically a friendly for the next half an hour. Yeah. Let's just bring them on and get some uh, game time in them. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, is Gerald suggesting that Rangers, fan will, Rangers fans will moan no matter what? I mean, I find that hard to believe. Um, yeah, it's, it's different situations. Uh, games we were behind or drawing last season and he wasn't making changes. The fans were right to have some angst about that. Uh, it isn't the same as, uh, you know, try to change a game uh, and you know bring in four or five on at the one time. Um, the game was done. And it is August, and clearly not everyone is is up to to sharpness yet. Um, it was a chance. He wasn't doing that to change anything on on the pitch, or you know, to change the part of the game. The, the, the contest was over, um, and it was just about getting some some legs uh, uh, with some um, energy in them. Um, so uh, it's all much of a I don't really understand what the what the problem is. The, the situations are completely different, uh, and he was probably right to do what he, what he did last night. It was, you know, the, the job was completed. We were going to be top of the league if people need to have that goal difference thing on match day three of a long season. <laughs> um, so no, it was it turned into a friendly because it, it wasn't competitive. The, the thing was the thing was done. Kev, you made mention earlier on to, to probably some of the, the lax attitude of referee Anderson last night where there was a carry code, as you say, um, on, on, on Yanis Hadji where he, I, I didn't realise that you now had to run with defenders on your back quite quite literally and physically. Um, I made mention there, obviously Kamal Roof um, made, his, uh, made his debut for Rangers last night and got a, a strong welcome to Scottish football. He's obviously played British football before, but Scottish football in particular, um, when Liam Gordon, about uh, 10 minutes shy of, of full time, went through him and what, for me, looked like uh, quite a quite a very, well, quite a naughty challenge, which we looked over the top. This was not long after Cedric Hitton was taken down in the box. Now, I promised myself at the start of this season, we were lucky to play football, I don't want to see myself getting back to moaning about referees. I don't necessarily think that it's uh, somewhat of a conspiracy more than overwhelming incompetence. But yet, as Martin just alluded to in match day three, I'm already moaning about it. I think it was a penalty on Itton. I think that the roof tackle was a red card. Um, and, you know, we, we can't... I suppose really what I'm worried about is are referees thinking that this is acceptable because, firstly, that it's Rangers and it's easy to give decisions against Rangers? And secondly, is it 3-0 up? What difference does it make? Why should I send the boy off? Why should I give another penalty to make it four? Surely the rules have to be applied no matter what. But, Cammy, by the referee's own admission in the interview done pre-season, they all know how important this season is. I don't really know what that means. I don't know why this season is more important than last or any other season, who knows? Um, I agree with you in all those decisions. There was also one in Kent out on the touchline just before he got subbed where he absolutely got rattled. And it was, yes, we got the free kick, but there was no booking. I, I just can't understand why these decisions aren't being made properly. The one in Hadji, he stops, he defends the ball, 
Yes, it, it, it's sort of back. And he's expecting a challenge, but he's not expecting the guy to jump on his back. But yet there's no foul. <laughs> I don't think there's another league in the world where that would be allowed to, to, to go. And you're right, Kamar Roof, welcome to Scottish football. This is a sort of thuggery you were prone to expect now. And um, Ian Hogg had a message last night on the, the post-match show, which is get a decent pair of shin guards and pull your socks up because these tackles are not uncommon in this league. You're right with it, and I think he was just too honest of anything. He, he tried to get up and get the ball. Had that been a hard day, he would have had no option but to go down, but I think it's quite a, a lump of a boy. And if he even had been Alfie, Alfie would still be rolling about just now because uh, he's maybe a wee bit more streetwise when it comes to Scottish football now. But we always, on Hartland, we always like to highlight the referees when we win. So we like to have a word about the performance, especially when they're not in a good game, so that it doesn't look like sour grapes that we're just saying it when we lose. When we do win and we win convincingly, there was no refereeing decisions that cost us or won us the game last night. But overall, the official of the poor game, he was far too lenient with some of the tackles. And this is just what we need to overcome week in and week out. And as long as you've played football, we've all played football, and you know that if somebody's having a, a kick at you, then you're getting to them and the best thing you could do is get up as much as possible, smile and go at them again because if they're kicking you it's because they're scared of you and they know the damage that you can do to their team and that's the only way they can bring you down to their level or they can get one up on you to try and kick you and hope you get angry or go in the huff because there's no doubt that Rangers have got better football players than St Johnston and that's unfortunately a tactic that 9 or 10 teams in this league have got to throw at us because they'll, they'll never beat us at a Straight up football match. Now, Martin, um, one other big development from from yesterday was that St Mirren were supposed to be hosting Celtic. Um, however, that didn't happen, and the reason why it didn't happen is because Celtic player Bowen Bowen goalie uh, decided to have a quick jaunt across to Spain without, you know, doing that whole what's the phrase I'm looking for? Oh yeah, um, obeying quarantine laws. And as a result of that, Celtic have now had two games suspended against St Mirren and Aberdeen. Um, I'll come on to you in just a second, actually, Martin. But Kevin, you were explaining just before we came on air to record that there's actually been a bit of a development here with regards to the possible outcome of players not adhering to the self-isolation and COVID distancing ruling. Yes, the SFA slash SPFL Joint Response Group have put out the provision to punish players, uh, that's not teams, that's players, who break the COVID protocols. This will also include recent breaches, i.e. Celtic's ball and goalie and the Aberdeen 8, as are now collectively known. And they've also come out and said that the return to training for clubs outside the Premiership will be delayed. And the usual mess you get with the SPFL, but I think it's something that they're punishing players rather than the clubs. One would wonder if it was us that had maybe one of our, our players had nipped away for 24 hours in Spain for whatever reason that maybe, just maybe, it might have been slightly different and we would maybe have the the usual suspects coming out on social media saying that the club should be punished, but no, they're going to punish the players. Um, how are they go about this? I don't know. They're probably making it up as they go along like they tend to do with everything these days. Martin, this, this kind of ventures a little bit into into your um, into your uh, professional field in terms of what we would look for. Employee expectations is probably the best way that I can put it. Now, clearly there's been a breach and quite clearly, I mean, Celtic have 
pretty much you know thrown them under the bus it's interesting where they take the moral high ground and yeah. um however let's play a bit of you know devil's dick advocate for a second right because i, I want to be able to try and see as to how balanced we can be he absolutely broke the, the expectations of what happened we we don't know if um he is classed as ineligible um for 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 playing against command despite the fact that he knew he had left the country went to a covid hotspot came back didn't tell anyone um and i do think that had that shoe been another foot there would have been uh quite a significant amount of pressure to have you know anything that we got uh, from that game overturned because of potentially fielding someone ineligible but that's a debate for another day what what do you think the clubs can really do in this regard I mean do you get to a stage of you know there's a behavioural expectation and if you don't do that that's a potential breach of you know gross misconduct or you know do you go down the road of you know you have to surrender your passports or, or you know what, what really do you think is a, a reasonable expectation here because I think what's interesting is the bowling goalie one is obviously ridiculous. And, and by and large, I think most normal Celtic fans, the four of them, <laughs> have all collectively said, get rid of him, sack him. This is going to be a major impact to our season. So there is a degree of sensibility to what they're coming out with. But if you look at the Aberdeen situation, you are talking about young guys in their 20s who have went through a global pandemic who are millionaires, who are going out now to go and socialise, they end up going to some sort of, you know, bar that via the track and trace and all of that, because it looks like as if potentially it's going to cause, you know, huge ramifications about what happens next. So even if you were to say to them, don't leave the country, then saying don't leave the house, or if you do go out somewhere, you have to tell us where it is, and it has to, I mean, how do you try and make sense of some of this? You can't police everything. Um, and as an employer, you'd have to demonstrate what you've done to, to mitigate that but as I said you, you can't possibly control every individual employee's movements um, you probably don't cancel training for a few days so early in the season but that's probably another um, matter uh, I mean in any other business it is gross misconduct um, but this isn't any other business it's sacking someone means you know you're not going to get a transfer fee that's not going to happen either um if they did it would be an interesting case um considering how lenient they are in other breaches of of conduct policy um and with an obvious uh equality act uh, angle to that but that that's that's all academia has never happen look footballers are being they have been given a kind of privileged status through all this we're not allowed to Oh, we haven't been allowed to go out and kick lumps at each other in a football field. Um, therefore, it probably is um, uh, an understandable trade-off, thinking about the Aberdeen thing, that well, you, you don't go and visit pubs that, that kind of Joe Public are kind of allowed to do. Um, <laughs> it's difficult. You don't want to be governing every individual's um whereabouts anyway that's the, the runs through the heart of this the, the handling of this whole um pandemic um but the club's in a difficult position and it isn't helped by the fact that the the governing bodies are drafting rules after the first two incidents of course there were going to be incidents uh, beyond naive to think that uh you know first august or whenever it was we started back um, it's all good. 
COVID's done. Um, the, the, this is all normal now. There, there won't be any um, incidents that we will have to set some rules for. Um, but again, our national game um, just being governed in the back of a fag packet. It's it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's it's just the way we do it. Um, but but yeah, it was interesting that it, the, the focus is on the individual. Um, and yeah, I think if if it was a Rangers player um, already, then uh, Nicholas Sturgeon's red card that we've heard about may have been brought out of the pocket but um, I don't know what those regulations are by the way so that, that is kind of recent news but um, how on earth were they not in place prior to 1st of August because it will happen again I think it's it has to be the, the nature the, the ball and goalie thing ridiculous uh, even the Aberdeen things you, you, you can't do that you, you, you've been allowed to, to work and, and, and you know practice your profession, you're going to have to be maybe more responsible socially than, than the rest of it. Um, but where does that where does that stop someone getting COVID for, for, by going to Sainsbury's or something? I mean, th- there have to be um, some kind of um, guidelines in place, which again comes back to what are the clubs doing to, to kind of mitigate that. But it, it's all a bit of a mess. Kev, I mean, Martin obviously makes a number of points there. And, and, and you know, they're all... You know, pretty much bang on the money, and I think that obviously you've got to say that there has to be an element of this where you have to trust adults to be adults, and you know, as a as an employer, not as a football club, but as an employer, you you have to kind of put the responsibility back on the individuals. But what I think is very very interesting is the the obviously the the update which has just come out, um, you know, less than an hour ago regarding um the individual impacts I mean Martin's right they are changing the rules here quicker than Celtic fans are changing their Twitter handle uh, to remove the ball and goalie <laughs> references but the point here is you know yes we can get the idea that this is but does this require some sort of I mean I don't want to say pit stop I don't want to say summit but does this require some sort of longer term revision now to say you know clubs do have to be responsible to an extent for what their employees do because you're not just talking here about necessarily the players, you're talking about the coaching staff, you're talking about physios, you're talking about whoever, who are going to be coming in proximity with these guys. Now, if you're then saying, right, you're not taking this seriously, the Aberdeen 8 aren't taking it seriously, ball and goalie certainly isn't taking it seriously. Um, It's very easy for the individuals to be chastised as a result of this. But my big thing with this is, what's the stop Rangers doing something similar to Aberdeen. Let's say Aberdeen, you know, we get the same share of luck that Aberdeen have had regarding an injury crisis for strikers. So Alfredo Morelos takes a knock, you know, uh, against Livingston on Sunday, goes out for a couple of weeks. Roof isn't fit yet. Itton we still to see a bit more of. Why not just send a player to some sort of COVID hotspot and then say, right, let's get a, let's get a delay of a couple of games. You, you can't just simply not punish the clubs. Indeed, uh, I'm on one of the three-man, a four-man band on our preview show on the Patreon site, and we discussed this last week before the Bolongoli story broke, and I was all for Aberdeen either have to play the game, if they need to play reserve players, youth players, whatever, make them play it, or if they can't, then they forfeit. If they boys have been out go-karting and they'd all injured themselves go-karting, they wouldn't have got the game called off. They would have been simply made to play it. Now, albeit 
I know the government stepped in and told Aberdeen not to play it for risk of spreading, but then they should be made to forfeit the points because it's not fair. And look at St Johnson. St Johnson played one game. They were down to 10 men and then they played the rest of the game with 10 men uh, and their opening fixture and then the next game was called off and then the next game's at Ibrox. How's that fair on them? St Mirren the same. They, they were due to play a game. So all their preparations up in there through no fault of their own. <laughs> These teams, they should be made to forfeit the points and award a 3-0 victory. And I'm not just saying that because it's Celtic. I said that the week before when it was Aberdeen players. You're right. <laughs> What's to stop Rangers sending out somebody? Oh, he, Alfredo's away back to Colombia. Oh, by the way, we can't play now. We only need to self-isolate. We only need to take all the players back in. It's just not fair. <laughs> it's... It's farcical, but like Martin said, that this is Scottish football. They make up the rules as they, they go along. They do it on the back of a fag pack, and generally whoever shouts the loudest gets what they want, and that's usually one team. But the thought I can't get in my head is the fact that Ball and Goalie is sitting on that flight, reading the Daily Record, looking at the story of the Aberdeen players and thinking, what a bunch of idiots. Um, but <laughs> no, that, it's... Uh, and then, he, of course, he's pictured in the front of the paper where one of his own supporters had sent the picture in. But no, it's a, an absolute farce. This, this should have been rules before this season kicked off because it's not as if, like you said, it's not mysteriously going away. It's not going away anytime soon. So this should have been laid out that if your players contract it, like it, it could happen. Like you say, they could go to Sainsbury's or Morrison's or whatever and pick up the virus. That's fine. It's life. It happens. It's unfortunate. But if eight of your players go out to a bar and then start bar hopping and then put themselves at higher risk or accidentally nip onto a plane and go to Spain for a day, then they're, they're putting themselves at a much higher risk and therefore putting everyone else at higher risk. So there should be punishments for the clubs. But alas, it's uh, the SPFL and they don't think logically and they don't think that far ahead. Just as you mentioned the daily record there, Kevin, thank you so much for reminding me about that. Dear Rangers, if you listen to this, please don't get into any other form of contracts like Reach uh, to be able to try and do our match day programmes because we hate them and they hate us and I don't care how good the deal was, it is the wrong thing to do and as soon as you can come out of that deal, the better. Please don't ruin the goodwill that you're building with the fans by getting into bed with people who hate us. Please do not make that mistake. Martin, I want to come to you regarding the fallout of, of the... The, you know, the rescheduled fixtures and you know something which I think that you made a great point on when we were at um, the turn of the year, which was that we shit the bed really, really quickly when we seem to gain a bit of an advantage or we get to the, the, uh, the, the top spot. Mm. Now, theoretically, by the time that Celtic kick a ball, and again, theoretically, because I'm breaking one of my own rules now by saying, like, let's go on a, you know, a run rather than just taking game by game. But theoretically, we could be 11 points ahead in the league by the next time that Celtic kick off. Now, I'm keen to get your take on, do you think that that gives us a clear advantage with Celtic having to make up ground? Do, are you worried that we could become lackadaisical? And as a result of that, it, it's it's going to build in a bit of a fear factor for us to be able to try and kick on. Um, what's your kind of take? And, and well, that's a, a positive or a negative for us. Um, well, the opportunity is clearly a positive, uh, kind of weird circumstances, of course, but um, <laughs> it, it just gives it an extra context. I, I mentioned before, 
the Aberdeen game, obviously a, a tricky opening game of the season, but utter dog shit really until Easter Road. And no excuses not to be going there 100%. Anyway, uh, that hasn't changed. Um, and there are still no excuses for that. Um, you know, we'll see how we do as the, as the autumn comes because you know that, that that does throw up some 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 different kind of challenges. Uh, and there's a, that's just an added incentive, isn't it? Because you'd be asking questions of Celtic that haven't been asked before for years. I've just obviously you know um, the, the the way this situation has has developed. Um, they still get to play the games. They're not too far behind us. Really, you know, we still have that 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 mentality. I guess it's just two points. Uh, and that kind of should keep the, the the players kind of um, uh, level and, and, and focused, um, but it won't be to them. And uh, you you need to just my my whole thing over these last two years is I, I just want to see Rangers asking them questions they have not been asked before. Um, uh, you can win as many trophies as you want. Um, it's it's how you win them that, that, that you can fall back on that particular experience if you're you're, you're put in a difficult position again. Um, and they've had it far too easy uh, in doing so. So uh, any new angles we can get to say deal with that, the the, the better. But um, nope, no excuse. I'm fed up here and about oh plastic pitches and these teams are garbage. <laughs> and we're off. too many years of fluffing them up to to try and um, uh, prepare us, I guess, for for some disappointment. Um, the the lovely thing apart from you know Gerard's first season that that first game at utter shit show we've been pretty comfortable um and the, the whole thing for me what do I know but it is about um playing our game and just being being brave enough to do that once you start talking about we need to we need to match them in this way and that way you're playing the game they want to play um using Morelos so, so often as this kind of almost outball target man. Um, now he'll give defenders a hard time. They'll know they've been in, in, in a tough 90 minutes. Not as tough as some quick, um, intricate passing, good thinking, good execution. You can't cope with that. Um, so this whole thing, and it starts on, on Sunday and, and all the way through the season, uh, is Rangers players having the bravery um, to play our game. We have got some skillful players. No one's ever doubted that. Um, but it's it's the ability to execute those skills. Um in every kind of situation, and just remember that this opposition are 20 points behind and more over the course of a season, um, and that's that's where, where man management comes in, and that's where, where, where that, that kind of um, confidence building um, comes to the fore. I still don't think it's as acute now. I think the the Rangers problem is once they turn that calendar and start seeing a finishing line, and then. We know kind of what happens, but um, no, uh, let's let's ask the questions of them uh, and, and see how they respond. Because they've got some awkward ones whenever they do get to play. You know, this period that I'm talking about, they've, they've got some awkward big games as well. Well, Kev, um, the next of our um, must-win games uh, happens on Sunday at, uh, I forget what it's called now, the Spaghetti Ad, the Tony Macaroni <laughs> Arena, Livingston Arena, Jesus, I think we're going to go back to Meadowbank Thistle. Soon enough, um, as Martin says, you know, one of those dreaded plastic pitches. I've played on that pitch. If you think it looks bad, trust me, it's even worse to play on. Um, now, one thing that I do want to kind of just to pick your brains over 
Um, now we we did say that obviously Balogun went off uh, at half time uh, last night. Um, very interested to see obviously if he comes back into it. Then I, I don't know if he would if he'd be if he's available for selection. Does he start? I um, was really pleased with what I saw from Philip Hollander last night when he came in. I thought that there was some really really strong tackles in there. Um, I. I don't know. Maybe if he's if he's if he's found another yard of pace, he looks slightly faster to me. He looks like he's if he can cover a lot of ground a little bit more quickly. But you know, he has had a long way off. Um, would you go if you've got the two of them fit? Who would you prefer starts alongside Connor Goldson? It's a wonderful dilemma to have for the manager, isn't it? After some of the defenders we've seen over the last God, eight seasons or so. Uh, it really is a, a embarrassment of riches that we've got in this position. Connor Goldson's no doubt the manager's lieutenant on the pitch. He'll always take the first centre-back spot. But Balogun, from, I, I didn't know anything about him. I don't think many others did. That He's really come in and impressed us, both at Pataudry and the, the couple of games he's played against St Mirren. He's not had a lot to do. But like we say with Rangers goalkeepers, the centre-backs are pretty much the same. We don't get a lot to do for most of the game. But then when you do have something to do, you need to do it well. And Balogun's come in and really impressed me. Like you, Hillander was never going to be the, the fastest. But I was impressed again when he came on against St Johnston. He'd done very well what he had to do because there was some... The one, I can't even remember what St Johnston player was that was running through. And he tracked him back and he got a wonderful tackle in. For me, I would start Hillander if there's any doubt over Balogun's fitness because this is... The, the squad that we've got and the squad that we've built, the manager keeps talking about the squad and this is the sort of game where you need to use it. We know Cattage is out long term and we're lucky enough to have three partners that we could have if you include Big Edmondson in there. But I would start Hollander because if he bet Balligan's played a wee bit uh, and if he's got any sort of knock or niggle, I would play Hollander just to get some more minutes in the legs as well because like Martin said, Livingston are not a great team. We've maybe made them look good in the past by getting suckered into drawing, playing their game of long balls and scrappiness in the middle of the pitch. But last week they played Effie Ambrose at left wing back. So this is the sort of uh, level of players that you're up against. Yes, they'll make it physical, but footballers should always be able to outpass, outmaneuver, and outskill players like this. But times the other question, I would go with Hollander at the back. Um, but it's a it's a wonderful dilemma to have. Martin, keeping with the the back of the team for a second, because I do want to talk about something which you had mentioned. Um, I think um, last night, as we were talking about the game unfolding in terms of what our uh, forwards are doing currently, I think that there's a a real chance that um, we've got a goalkeeping dilemma now between McGregor and McLaughlin. McLaughlin as uh, Clive Tildesley was calling him. Please stop doing that, Clive. That's not his name. I know you're new to this, but come on, mate. Um, but I think he's he's been a great signing. I think last night, we, we did talk about it. Um, Kevin mentioned it, about a couple of great saves that he he made and a um, couple of them point blank. You know, if Alan McGregor's wearing that shirt, you, you absolutely don't think twice about it. I don't know if there's a case to be made that John McLaughlin couldn't be one of our signings of the season so far. Uh, that's 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 big talk there, Cammy. Um, listen, you you need more than reliable uh, backup for a, a goalkeeper or any player 
of that age. Let's let's be honest. Um, you know, he's nearly as old as us, can he? Uh, True. So it's more important that the the, the confidence that we're taking from these these outings is that you're, you're right. Potentially, the, the, there's there's just no panic there. Um, I think he needs he would have needed to do something remarkable in a in a big big game to say well you've just done what McGregor does. Um, uh, I, it's a, maybe a wee bit early to to start having that 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 conversation to be honest. Um, McGregor is the number one, um, and maybe his layoff would need to be longer and McLaughlin been able to do something as I said. Um, really big in a in a pivotal moment in a, against a tough opponent kind of thing. Um, he may well do, um, and you know if he has to be thrown in at Parkhead at some point um, or Easter Road or whatever, um, I'd be fine. And I think that's what we take away at this moment in time that I don't think any of us would would be oh shit, um, McGregor's out. Um, but I think we're still a wee bit away from having that, that discussion but given age what age is McLaughlin by the way? 32 yeah uh, I mean obviously goalkeepers are, are, are different but think now to next season possibly think, yeah absolutely and I think you know it's, it's interesting because I don't want to you know say that Wes Fodering wasn't you know a capable goalkeeper because I do believe he was and when he had to play for us Last, you know, when um, McGregor was out injured or suspended, then I thought he quitted himself well again, clean sheets. So I think it was there. But That's there has lot. been chances that have kind of come across where um, maybe tough on him. I mean, you know, I don't want to be overly critical of the guy, but I think it goes by him, whereas McLaughlin's keeping them out. And I think that that's a big. I think there's a trust element when it comes to the goalkeepers, mm-hmm. where if you know the guy behind you is solid, and in our lifetimes, Andy Gorham, Stefan Kloss spoiled with goalkeepers really you and I have been set in our lifetimes um, there's an element to that where I think that that trust permeates through your defence then going forward and then you know that that's how you, you, you know that even if you do break into a one and one or whatever the guy's still going to have work to do to, to beat your man between the sticks now you mentioned um, you know obviously going forward uh, we, we are going to likely play you know all transfers and uh, potential injuries aside between now and Sunday. Um, Alfredo Morelos, Giannis Hadji and Ryan Kent up top. Um, I'm keen to get your thoughts on how you feel that the three of them are, I've, I've been working with in the last uh, couple of games. Giannis Hadji, I think, has come under a bit of criticism, I think, at Ramsey, at Ramsey House in terms of where we were sitting at for <laughs> his first touch and, and, and what he's been able to try and create. Is he just taking a little bit of time to find his feet, do you think, or... Um, is it potentially something a little bit bigger than that? Um, he's one of quite a few players that just aren't at it yet. They're just lacking that that sharpness. Uh, I, I don't think that's abnormal in any normal season restart, to be honest. Um, never mind the kind of circumstances that, that, that we've come through. Um, but uh, as many people have pointed out on, online correctly, he, he isn't hiding. He still wants to come for the ball. He still wants to make things happen. He did make things happen in that that, that second goal. Uh, it was just a first touch thing. You know, it was more than a few times yesterday, and I think against St Mern as well, where um, uh, seems so out of keeping with his introduction last season. Um, 
that, that that control just wasn't there. I have no huge concerns that you know, Christ, what, what, what's going to happen here? I just think he, like the rest of the team, um, they just they just need to to pick up that that that, that sharpness. It was just noticeable um, because with the players we've got around there, the, the, the touch is reasonably good. You know, um, certainly a rebel um, that, that we. We do control the ball quite well up there, just don't move it quick enough for me. But um, it, it just kind of stood out, it jarred a wee bit. Um, and it was more than more than once, wasn't it, last night? Um, but but no, he's, he's, there's clearly talent there. Um, uh, it just, it'll just take a, maybe just take a wee while to, to get that confidence back a bit. And Kev, I mean, towards the tail end of 2019, we uh, we obviously picked up points in the road against Livingston. Um, you know, a one nil win, a three nil win. I think, uh, sorry, a two nil win. I beg your pardon. Um, I don't believe it is necessarily an easy place to go, and I do despise that pitch. But I've got to find myself, you know, wholly agreeing with Martin. And the, we we can't use these things now as an excuse. Whether it's the physical nature of the game, whether it is the pitch, whether it's something else. I I expect to see another performance. And do you know what? See if it's if it's a routine. Fairly mundane three 0 win. I'll take it right now. Yeah, it doesn't need to be sexy, does it? It just needs to be about getting points on the board. The like you say, it's difficult to play on that pitch. It's not nice, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a case of their yard. It's it's not going to change between now and then. So we just need to get on with it. Um, we've been back in this league for a few years now. We know about this pitch. We know about the rugby park pitch. It's it's old now. People won't accept it as an excuse, and there should be no reason for it. As I say, we've got far better players in Livingston, and if we play even probably the standard we played against St Johnston midweek, we're good enough to come away with all three points. I fully expect us to do so, and just tick another one off the list and just build this wee run going. I'd, again, I'd said on last week's preview show for the, or even this week's, so there's that many games, um, that I'd don't want us to shout about anything from the rooftops. I just want us to go in, get three points and move on to the next game. Let everyone else do our talking, talk about us, talk about them, do what they need to do. We just need to build up momentum, keep going, hopefully get another clean sheet and keep plodding along and plodding along. And before we know it, we'll be at the business end of the season. and Hopefully we'll be in a, a really good position because like you boys spoke about earlier, this is the, the chance to put all the pressure back on them. They've already got most of it, but when, you know, we've been there, we've, we've been in situations where we're games behind, points behind, but you would always rather have the points on the board um, when you've got to go against stuffy teams and they know that you're so far behind and you need to catch up. It does add extra pressure. So go here on Sunday, pick up the three points and then plan for the next game, which is Kilmarnock Ibrox. Well, with that in mind, I will now trouble you both uh, for your prediction on Sunday. Martin, I'll come to you first, please. 2-0 uh, to Rangers. 2-0 to Rangers. Kevin? I was going to say the same, but just to be slightly different, I'll say 2-1. Oh, the clean sheet run is over, <laughs> thanks to Mr Armstrong. OK, well, it's your fault if we concede to Kev. I will go... I'll go 3-0 since Martin picked two. I kind of fancy 2-0 as well, but I'll say three. Um, I'll go for a Kamar Roof hat-trick. There you go. I'll be nice and <laughs> nice and super positive about it. <laughs> now, boys, just before I let you go, can I just ask, have you uh, had a chance to visit the brand-new Ibrox 
uh, Megastore yet across uh, in the, the wonderful home of football, Ibrox Stadium? Have you been had a chance to go into the shop? Uh, not yet. Not. I've done, done all mine online and I think I've, uh, I've put enough money in for this financial year. <laughs> For this, for this financial year until you can get a visit from Santa. Maybe you and I have got big birthdays coming up uh, this year, Martin. So. I don't really want to talk about that. But no, yeah. no, we won't talk about that. Kevin, have you had a chance to nip over? I've not. I was um, asked to go and help out putting the flags out in the stadium last week. So I did get to have a small peek, but I didn't actually go and manage to do any shopping because I don't fancy queuing for two hours. I, like Martin, I've used the online service last week to buy the the black zipper it's wonderful uh the only pity is that they like you mentioned they've had to change the packaging to a discreet black bag as opposed to the the original packaging because of some damage that was occurring to them but no i know a few people have had issues with getting their strips and that's not acceptable but the shop itself and some of the stuff they're producing is wonderful no, it, it's a, it's now a week old. I was fortunate enough to be um, involved um, when the, the store was opened last week and I've had a chance to be able to try and go in. The queues have been absolutely phenomenal and I think um, fairly reminiscent, if I'm being honest, of, of you know, the uh, number of times that Rangers fans have put money into the club um, and not just in terms of the most recent, um, you know, last few weeks where through season ticket renewals and my jails, there's been um, a whole ton of money been able to go in. And as Kevin made mention there, there's people queuing for hours to be able to try and get into it. Um, there is a lesson, in my opinion, Martin, for Castor to make sure uh, that they get um, some of the customer service side of things fixed. They can't send out stuff in branded bags because they're likely going to get damaged. But also we know people who still to this day have not had their top. Um, that side of the business really needs tidied up a wee bit. Tidy up's one way of uh, describing it. It's not been good enough. Um, really, really disappointing because the the product is quality. Uh, and all you want is what you've paid for, especially if you paid for it a month and a half in advance or whatever. Um, I, I imagine they've been caught out just by how big this demand is. Uh, I'll be honest, I think the club have been caught out by just how wild the, the demand has been. Um, because... <laughs> For reasons where we know all too well, there's not enough evidence in recent years to kind of uh, uh, use that as a, 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 a basis for, for, for generating that uh, that kind of response. So, um, but that, that's no consolation if you're, you're still waiting, and especially if it's for kids. Um, I, I've been alright. Evidence, evidence arrived when it, it was supposed to, but you know, I'm nearly 40. I would have got over um, having to wait a, a couple of weeks. But if you're seven or eight and you're just desperate to go out there and pretend you're a Rangers player, really, as we did at that age, um, that's really, it's really disappointing. So, uh, yeah, all we can hope is, is exactly that they do learn and um, uh, as, as the relationship kind of gathers um, speed and momentum. Um, we're not talking about this this time next year. Yeah, and I think um, just to kind of put everyone's mind at rest as well, we we have it heart and hand, as you know, we've got a, a healthy working relationship with the club where we can provide feedback to this. We've done so um, in terms of both to the club and also to Castoa. We know that they are working on it. It's fine to work on it, chaps. And, and you know, there is a lesson to be learned here. But if better never stops and you truly mean that, then make sure this doesn't happen again because people are disappointed with it. And it's certainly a small percentage, but even 1% is unacceptable. So, 
Um, yes, we have raised it, and thank you to the people for sending that across to us. But again, like you say, lessons are absolutely to be learned. So let's uh, let's make sure that they um, that they follow suit on that. Um, just uh, that's us for uh, for this week for Heart and Hand Extra. David will be back on Monday with the flagship show. However, you didn't miss out on Heart and Hand too much. If you'd like to join ourselves and 5,000 other bears across our Heart and Hand Patreon site, please go on to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you can hear the wonderful Kevin Armstrong on the preview show. The Time Capsule, uh, which Martin hosts, is a wonderful um, show and has very recently um, produced a book. Martin, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I thought you'd never ask, can we? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the 50 Greatest Rangers Games, of course, uh, uh, voted for by the Heartland community. And uh, yeah, I've written about all 50 of them uh, in order and, and really just about why Rangers fans have voted in that way and why these games mean what they do and, and try to make sense of um, how we do our history and could we do it a bit better. Uh, and that's available on the, the website, cheaper than it is on Amazon. But um, yep, yeah. Uh, Please avail yourself of that. Uh, it is good. I can vouch for that, and I'm certain Kevin can as well. It is absolutely brilliant. And not only the selection is very interesting, and I don't think the author minds sharing the fact that he might not agree with all of them. What he has no, done is not. a wonderful job of talking <laughs> about them. So please go on um, and go into heartandhand.co.uk if you want to be able to try and buy Martin's book. Or again, as I say, join the Patreon site. We are fortunate enough to be given um, fan media access uh, to the Games Behind Closed Doors which David does his own kind of roving reporter bit um, from all the games at Ibrox. Uh, you'll have heard them um, if you're on the site, um, speaking to Follow Follow um, forum owner Mark Dingwall um, and also uh, hearing David talking directly uh, to Stephen Gerrard in the post-match comments. Um, so some great stuff there and it's very, very much uh, helping fill that void of us not actually been able to be in the stadium. So um, all that's left for me to do is to thank our uh, executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee, Mr Paul Myers, uh, my two wonderful guests, Kevin Armstrong. Thank you, chaps. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Mr. Martin Ramsey. Thanks, Cammy. Thanks to the listeners. Enjoy your weekend. Yep, absolutely. Have a great weekend, folks. Let's get three points in Livingston on Sunday um, and enjoy yourselves and stay safe. Thanks all. <laughs>